Let's turn to the Word of God. I promise this is my last night on this issue, but <laughs> holding the line. I, I know I said we would be done last week, but I, I'm compelled to the Holy Spirit to summarize this thing up. As your pastor, I cannot stress enough how ready we have to be. This thing's going fast, and it's going to escalate even faster. And we've heard this for how many years? You know, Jesus is coming back again soon. I remember that in the 70s. How many of you remember that? And uh, all this end time stuff. And I'm not trying to bring any kind of end time stuff on you, but I am here to tell you that globally there is a shift going on. Culturally, morally. It's not just locally. It is globally. We are on a trend that is, uh, is going to impact the church like never before. I can't stress to you enough. And so I had to close this out with one more plea to us to hold the line. What line am I talking about? A biblical world view. What is a biblical world view? That God created man and all of creation? That there was a fall that brought sin and death into the world that corrupts it and brings evil. But God has the remedy for that through Jesus Christ who died for us, rose again from the dead and sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. And that Christ will return to redeem all things back to the Father. That is a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview holds the scriptures as the truth, a transcendent truth outside of our feelings and opinions. And this is a biblical worldview, and it is all but vanishing. And there are more churches. I listened to a lecture today from a theologian, and, and again, the, the scripture twisting concerning the gospel that we're to love and, and bring everyone in. Well, of course we're supposed to love, but what we're to bring them into is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so that has to deal with sin. So I've got to conclude tonight with dealing with worldviews. Many of us, many of our children are just being pounded every day through every form of media for a secular humanism. So let's take a look at what these worldviews are. Basically, the one that we are up against most is a secular worldview. So, again, what is a biblical worldview? God is creator, the creator of all things. Uh, intelligent design shows us through science this world was constructed so perfectly and created with intention and deliberately. It wasn't random through mutations that evolved into higher life forms. Uh, it absolutely makes no sense scientifically. God is a creator and he made humans in his image. That gives dignity to mankind and it says that we're in his image and he has a plan and a purpose for human beings. And that we are sacred. And the values that are held by a biblical worldview is that there is a transcendent truth. The scripture, the word of God has been given to us and it holds the revelation of who God is and who we are. And through that revelation we understand we needed a savior and we know who he is. Scripture is essential. 
The other part of revelation is natural law, the observable laws in nature. All of nature is a display of God's handiwork and His glory and the intricacies and the beauties of nature and nature's law is, uh, can be seen even for those who are not born again. They can know and understand. In fact, so much Paul says that on the day of judgment, man will be without excuse because there was enough revelation in creation to know that there is a creator God. So that's a, a, a high level of revelation, but the greater level is the word in Scripture. What are we talking about opposing that is secular humanism, a secular worldview that is atheistic, that says there is no God. And so if there is no God, people, humans, are in the place of that God. Human interest and humans are supreme. What are the values? It's a materialistic worldview. It's a materialistic view, a worldview that everything is basically found in nature. There is no higher form of morality. Uh, everything's materialistic and everything is morally relative. There is no transcendent truth. Your truth is good for you. My truth is good for me. I don't know anybody that's holding to a single opinion. How are we going to have any agreement? If everybody's got a truth by which they're going to figure things out. We used to say, well, obviously in math, two plus two is four. That is now coming under attack. And it's being called racist to say two plus two is four. It's morally relative. What happens when you have moral morality uh, based on pers personal preference? Well, they say as long as your personal preference and your truth doesn't hurt or offend somebody else. But how can you know if it'll offend or hurt anybody else? And you have to give it time. Because all of these personal revelations and personal moralities will impact. And right now, the biggest impact we see it on is the children. Children are being left out in the dark based on everybody's selfish, personal, moral opinions. And so Christianity says we must bow to God's authority of what is true because what His plan is and His created purpose is to bring peace, order, justice to the well-being of all humanity. And so that's what we're looking at. That's what we want to pursue. Now, what are the what will the impact be of a biblical worldview? Life-affirming. A biblical worldview is that life is sacred. All life is sacred. And that we should protect the most innocent of lives among us and care for the weakest among us. That's why James says the greatest religion and the greatest care of religion are the widows and the orphans. Why? They're fatherless. And the heart of God is a father heart to care for those who are of the weakest. And Christianity throughout history has always been there to help those who are broken and downtrodden and afflicted. And so biblical worldview is life-affirming. A secular worldview is self-affirming. 
I have to focus on myself, me and mine, and care about me. And if you're going to believe an evolutionary train, the strongest survive. Biblical worldview, there is an objective truth. There is a reality that is true outside of your mental capacity, well-being, and what you can figure out. There is a truth and a reality that exists in the world and that God is revealing himself through creation for us to find him. In fact, Paul even says he set the boundaries of nations so that they would be able to find God. He set everything up so we would come to an objective truth. But in secular worldview, there is no objective truth. And therefore, we don't have any basis or foundation to land on. Identity, biblical worldview gives you an identity. Your identity is found in Christ. Yeah, but the Bible says I'm a sinner. That's to get to the root of the cause of evil in this world. It's sin. And if we're going to avoid that, we're going to avoid dealing with the real issues. But there's a remedy for sin. It's Christ Jesus. And so my identity is to die to self, to die to sin. That's why we have a cross that is represented for our symbol. It means death to self so that our identity can be in Christ who now gives us a name and glory and an identity of what we were always meant to become through the image of God as men and women. He gives us the identity. Where in secular worldview, everybody's trying to find their identity, trying to find the best you that there is. And so we, we go and buy all the self-help books we can get so that we can fix ourselves. How can we fix ourselves? And I'm telling you, it's such a sad state of affairs. We are in such a place today and with such mental illness in this world. People are suffering for understanding their identity. They're fearful. They're hiding and hovering. They're, they're, they're just scared. And they have no identity. And our children... You, you guys all remember back when things had some sort of normalcy and safety. Our children are growing up where daily they're going to either be polluted to death or the world's going to fail or the nuclear is going to happen or, or the vaccines are going to come or uh, you name it. Our kids are scared to death and they got to figure out who am I in the middle of this. Christ can tell them who they are with a hope and a future. And so what's the biblical worldview tell us? That sin is harmful. Now we all get offended when God calls out our sin. But he's doing that because it's an infection that will kill. Sin leads to death. And God is life affirming. So our God is so gracious that he'll call out sin whenever we can. And when the church stops calling out sin, the church stops loving. This is key. We're all backing away because the rule of the secular worldview is don't offend tolerance for anything. Tolerance for anything. That's not love. 
Tolerance for what you like, tolerance for what you like, and in the end, that's only going to breed violence, injustice, and death. And so the Bible says sin is harmful. And so if we had a remedy for sin, then we could be a help to this world. The church has got to start acting as if they believe we have a remedy. And a remedy that can withstand anything. And I'm not talking about a vaccine from three different companies that have never been approved. I'm talking about something that is a cornerstone, that is tried and true, and we will never be ashamed of, and it's Christ Jesus, whose blood inoculates from sin and overcomes death. That's the biblical worldview. And a secular worldview is unsustainable. Just consider it. Try, could you imagine trying to build a house based on principles where there are no measurements? Seriously. There's no tape measure. There's no inch. There's no foot. Build the house with a crew of people who want to show up when they want to show up and want to work on the area they feel that they should work on with materials that we have to decide whether we like or don't like. It can't sustain. It won't work. And this is what's being shoved down our face globally. I have to keep repeating that because this is not an American issue. This isn't a Western issue. This isn't a political Democrat-Republican issue. This is spiritual war globally. You've got to get this. It's a global impact. So let's take a look at this. What's the basis? We studied abortion, homosexual, homosexuality, transgenderism, and racism. We discussed the LGBTQIA+. Got to get them all in. And that agenda and that progression, because it's ultimately leaving... Uh, alphabet and going to just a plus at the end for whatever. And that opens the door to, guess what? Whatever. And so the biblical worldview is that these things are harmful and sinful to humanity. But in the secular worldview, these are personal freedoms of choice. And so we're going to come into a clash with this. So the secular humanists, those who are secular, aren't going to like the church much anymore. They've put up with Christianity long enough. They've put up with our dogmas. They've put up with our, our morality long enough. You can't put your morality on me. Somebody needs to remember that. Because aren't they putting their morality on us? In schools? On your beer cans? You better not be drinking the beer. On the beer cans. <laughs> on everything, right? You see what I'm talking about. On your clothes. They're marketing it. They're putting it in schools. They're putting it everywhere. And yet, how many years ago, don't put your Christianity in the schools. But you can put this in. We talk about abortion. We call that a sin because of the value of life. They call it a choice. Based on how they feel. We talked about homosexuality. We said, though, that's a sin. And again, we're talking about holy sexuality, God's design for sex. 
and its beautiful and its purpose and its life-affirming and life-creating in the context that God created it. And it's not just homosexuality, it's adultery and it's fornication as well. And they call it love. And you hear the phrase, love is love. Love is not love. If love doesn't have boundaries, it can create a lot of problems. Transgenderism, we call that a sin because we say that there's a binary fact in creation that there are male and female sexes. They call it gender construct. That binary idea of gender, only two genders, is a social construct that when somebody is born, they may not be the sex designated by their doctor at birth. Doctors don't designate sex. They observe. That's all. Creation is what determines the sex. But they've turned that into gender. We've gone over this, but I just got to make it uh, clear that gender now is a matter of what you feel you are sexually. And we know the absurdities of this. All you have to do is extrapolate each one of these concepts a little bit further out than where they are, and they become unsustainable. I don't know where this thing's going to go and how much further, but the concept of your gender based on, we're over 170 genders now. So it's, that's just ridiculous. I don't know how, what word to explain it. And it's a, you want to talk about a gender construct, this is a gender construct that genders based on what you feel. That's a social construct. Biblical worldview, racism is a sin. We cannot judge, we studied this last week, we cannot judge the races of man. In fact, the Bible doesn't have races. There's only one human race. We see that the evolutionary track and people for political gain, even religious gain, have divided people up by races. The Bible has never done that. There's one race, the human race, and we should not judge each other by the color of our skin. And now the secular worldview, at this point, is white hate. You can't change, you can't make change to something by creating, you can't change racism by becoming racist even more. That doesn't work. The, to solve the problem of racism, you can't become more racist. That it, again, you, you, I mean, extrapolate this out. It, and you can't eliminate hate by hating. So we can see that these two are in complete conflict with each other. Well, for the longest time, the biblical worldview was the dominant one in the United States. For a long time, and many, many of you here are going to say, yeah, those were the good old days. That's when I loved it and I knew what was right and what was wrong. And yes, thank God we had a biblical worldview, but we didn't do it well. A number of folks, African Americans, you know, we had a biblical worldview, 
They loved Jesus too, but they had to worship someplace else and drink water someplace else. That's not a biblical worldview. Would you agree? But we're, we were straightening that out. We're getting that corrected. We're, we're coming to a place, but in the meantime, the biblical world of view was being eroded right underneath us by our own theologians, by our own church leaders who began to doubt the inspiration of Scripture and began to teach that Scripture is wrong and that science is destroying what we thought was biblical truth which is not true. Science has not contradicted anything in Scripture. But at one time we had a biblical worldview and we felt good and we felt safe. What are the ramifications? Well, it made this country the greatest country in the world. Though it was flawed, it still, in its basis, created the greatest nation that ever existed for human freedoms. That's why everybody wanted to come here. People still want to come here. Because of what's been accomplished by a biblical worldview over a nation, even though it was flawed by the people who ran it. But now something has dramatically shifted. This is called a post Christian era. We now realize that we're the minority and we're shrinking fast. And the secular worldview is taking over this nation and the globe. Okay? So God is being set aside. What's interesting, though, is there's revival going on in the southern hemisphere like never before. In Africa, in parts of uh, Asia, uh, and South America, the gospel is just burning and going on fire. Thousands, tens of thousands being saved every day. While we're seeing the impact of a secular worldview diminishing the church, and many are bailing from the church because they're not getting the Word of God. They're not studying the Word of God. They don't know the understanding of the cross, and the pressure's too much, and they're bailing. You're a remnant. That's why I'm passionate about preaching this. I don't want to see anybody else leave. It's because we don't understand Scripture, and this is what we're up against. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we come together? Why don't we put our biblical worldview together with the secular worldview so that we could all just get along? That would work, wouldn't it? They, they can't mix, can they? For the... the uh, the theologian I was listening to today, uh, who has written a book and changed his views on human sexuality and said that we have to be completely inviting for the LGBTQIA plus to come into the church and fully embrace them. I don't have a problem for anybody LGBTQIA plus to come into the church as long as they embrace the Savior, Jesus Christ then you would no longer identify as LGBTQ because we no longer identify by our sin, we identify by our Savior. Yes. Yes. Now, I could start, we could start putting letters to all of your sins. We could start with F, L. I'm looking around. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We'll have to see if there's a list. And, and the thing is, is uh, we're not... See, they want us to, 
give dignity and equality to, to folks of a different worldview than a biblical worldview. Because God is love. And the gospel is love. And for you to not embrace them is shaming them and being intolerant and being hateful. So what do we do with that? In fact, they say this, we need to know and love them. Well, I know and love many. I don't know any transgender right now. I've worked with some. But I know homosexual, gay, lesbian people, and I love them. I know them. And I care. They are real people. I love them. But they need to understand their sin is separating them from Jesus. I can't compromise that point. And so Matthew 23, 13 says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. And so they're using this to say, Church, how dare you shut Jesus out from the LGBTQAI plus community. We're not shutting them out from Jesus. Jesus says, come all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. We're welcoming them to the kingdom of heaven, but I cannot accept the lifestyle as part of it. The same way we can't accept fornication, lying, and thievery as part of it. But that's who I am. No, it's not. It's who you identify as which is basically the identification God puts all of us in. Sin. We are all sinners. We have all failed God. And if you can't accept that, then you'll never come to Christ. They say, well, isn't the gospel God so loved the world He gave His only Son? Whoever what? Believes in Him. What do we mean by believe in Him? Believe for the reason He came. Why did Jesus come? To bring a party for everyone because He loves everyone so that we'd all get along. There's one problem with everyone. Sin. And if you want to hold on to your sin and hold on to Jesus, there's only one place you can do that. On the cross where you will die. And He will live in you. Does this make sense? It's not a hateful message. It's a life-affirming message. It's a rescue to those who are perishing. They're mutually exclusive. I cannot combine a biblical worldview with a secular worldview. I can't tell you that there is an objective transcendent truth when you say that there is no truth. I can't tell you that my identity in Christ means I'm to die to self when you're doing everything you can to live to self. They're mutually contradictory and ex mutually exclusive. This verse helps us understand in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who are the unrighteous? All of us. Every human being, Jew, Gentile, no matter what your sexual preference, no matter what your position in authority and power, no matter how much money, none of it matters. We are all sinners. None of us will inherit the kingdom of God unless 
But he goes on, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, those who worship anything besides God, adulterers, those who are in covenant to somebody and breaking it sexually, nor men who practice homosexuality. We went over this issue. That word doesn't exist in the Bible, homosexuality. But the Greek word means men who sleep with men. Figure that out nor thieves, those are people who take things that don't belong to them, nor the greedy, those who live to have more of something else, nor drunkards, nor revilers, those who are critics of everything, nor swindlers who cheat. Now that's a, that's a short list of sins. But we could make that the S-I-A-H-T-G-D-R-S. And I'm not trying to mock, I'm just saying, but it doesn't matter what group you belong to, all the groups are going to hell. This is the simplicity of the gospel. But this is what the power of God is. And such were some of you. Let me put it to this way. And such were all of us. But. But. Here's the difference. I accept transgender, accept homosexuals, accept whatever sin somebody has as long as they come to this being washed. Washed. You were washed. You were sanctified. What does that mean? Set apart from your sin. You were justified. The blood of Jesus paid the debt we owed for salvation. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God who once you are born again, born from above, the Spirit of God coming in you because your sins were dealt with at the cross, you receive Christ, you now receive the Holy Spirit. That is the state of the church. That's the body of Christ. And knowing this is the gospel, it cannot mingle with anything else. So I conclude with this. One simple verse. I ask God, Lord, give me a verse. Give me a verse. Matthew 1, verse 21. Talking about Miriam. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, Jehovah's salvation, Yahushua. For he will save his people from what? Their sins. Their low self-esteem? He'll save their people from a bad economy, save the people from... No, 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 no. The root issue of the gospel is sin. That's so downer. That's so negative. It's the problem. If you had a remedy for cancer, how many of you would want it? right? How many do you know battling cancer? If we had a complete remedy for cancer, well, sin is the cancer of all humankind. And there is a remedy that one drop of blood will cleanse sin. It's Jesus. He shall come to save their people, the people from their sins. How? By sanctifying us, washing us, justifying us, and cleansing us through Christ Jesus. Christ alone is the remedy. Christ alone is our worldview.
I can't accept any form of sin to come in and abide with Christ. And so for all of us, the message that is life-affirming But see, this is what we have to do. We've got to bring the message in a way that it'll be received. That they'll understand this is in love. Well, do you think what I'm doing is sin? It is, yes. But what I have done is sin. What everybody else has done is sin. But there's a remedy for this. The one who can tell us who our identity is. The one who can breathe life into us and make us the unique fingerprint God gave us. To become the beauty that God had adorned us with. And to wipe away all the filth from our brains and life and thought. And give us beauty and give us joy and give us peace and give us mercy and give us goodness and give us faithfulness and give us self-control the very nature of God. He wants to give Himself to us. And so this is why, brothers and sisters, we have got to hold the line. Churches are compromising right and left. They're leaving the Gospel to make sure more people stay in the pews. They're changing their teaching so that people will still give their finance. And so, I'm impassioned over this because it's happening right before our eyes. You know, I don't know how many people I've known in the past that, oh, they love all this end time stuff. They look in the papers and in magazines. Did you see this? Right? They've got, you know, when this happened, this lines up with Revelation. This is that people get excited because they start seeing the Bible in the headlines. Well, if you're not seeing the Bible in the headlines, you're missing it. It's here. For as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when Christ returns. Those were pretty wicked times. But we've got to stand firm, amen? And hold this line for the gospel. Thank you for that. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, help us. Help us, help us, help us. Each one of us, Lord, has a unique place. Where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we shop, Each one of us has a unique number of people and friends and family all around us that we are the ones who are to bear the gospel to others. Help us be bold. Help us to have courage. Many of us have never been able to do this. Many of us are fearful to speak up on behalf of Christ. We don't like to be ridiculed. We don't like for people to offend us. But yet, Lord God, you've called us to this And Lord, if we would fall in love with you so deeply that, Lord God, an offense against you offends our heart. But instead of anger, instead of bitterness, we speak as you would speak, Jesus, with love. Because you are the remedy. So I pray tonight, Lord God, that you'll have your way working with each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.